If you take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 8, for those of you who are first-timers or haven't been here in a while, um, we're going through the Gospel of Mark. Um, Mark being one of the friends and colleagues of the apostles. He wasn't an apostle himself, but he was around. He was around in Jesus' time. He was around, he himself met Jesus. He himself saw Jesus. He heard Jesus. Um, And he was one of the apostles' um, great um, helpers. Um, And in this case, writing this gospel, um, probably with Peter as his main source, um, as well as his own um, eyewitness accounts himself, um, but, but also as he, as he started out the gospel saying he wants people to see who Jesus, the son of God is. And this morning's story, uh, is, is one of those amazing ones. And, and remember one of the things that should happen as we read these stories is we should be amazed. We should be amazed at who Jesus is. And then be even more amazed that who Jesus is loves us and cares for us and wants to use us. It's all amazing, but it starts with the amazement of who Jesus is. Mark chapter 9, verse 1. And he said to them, speaking to his disciples, and there's a crowd as well, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There, he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, uh, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then, parentheses, he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about them, about him. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. 
A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. When, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, he immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You you, you deaf and dumb spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind come out only by prayer. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise again. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. Now let me say this to start right off. Some of you are afraid I'm going to preach on that whole thing. I'm not. Okay, we're just going to get started. But I, but I, wanted, to, I wanted to set the context of, of what happened right after this amazing event on the mountain. Maybe Mount Hermon, they're not, we're not positive, but one of the high mountains around there, and there are numerous ones of them. But what took place on that mountain? What an opportunity for Peter, James, and John to see this amazing event. And it reminds us of what Jesus was doing with his disciples, with his apostles. He was getting them ready for the work that they were going to be doing for the rest of their lives. And what an event he gave them on this particular day. When all of a sudden, He's standing there and starts to glow with, a, with a, something they can't even describe. I mean, the, the description of, of this, where, where he says that uh, no one in the world could, could do this even with, a, with bleach. He said his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Now, Remember, this is, this is a modern translation. 
This is the old New International Version, all right, the O-N-I-V, all right? This is, this is the 1984 edition. And I use this one because the, some of the later editions of the NIV have gone, gone places in, transla- in, the, in, in the translation world that, that I'm not in favor of. There, there are different, different ways of translating the Bible. This, the New International Version, was done by a committee of a lot of scholars from a lot of different Christian traditions who all believed that the Bible is the Word of God, all right? And so that committee decided in this particular case that they would introduce a word that really hadn't been introduced yet because they weren't using bleach yet in the first century, all right? They were using something that worked like bleach. It's called urine. Yeah, I said it. And, and, and people that were, known for, they were, that were known for doing that work, they weren't a highly respected um, group of people, but they were highly paid. Because who wanted to use that to get the clothes clean? But it worked, but it didn't work as well as what Jesus was shining with. And just another comment on the, on the translation process. There, the New International Version is kind of a, is kind of a combination of, of word for word, but also with some dynamics within the, within the translation to, to help the modern reader understand it better. Um, there are other translations that are more word for word than the IV, like the New American Standard Bible is, is more word for word. But because it's more word for word from the Greek and Hebrew, it makes it harder to read in the English, all right? Both are, both are good, just a, just a different philosophy of translation. The ones to be particularly careful about are the ones that are only done by one person. And one of the most, most popular versions right now was just done by one person. That's called the Passion Translation. Be very careful with that one because that's just one guy. Without the, the checks and balances of committees of people who, who are also going to try to make sure this, that the, the, the translator doesn't just pick the meanings of words that go along with his particular theological or philosophical ideas. All right, so a one-man translation can be helpful because people's opinions are good. It's good to hear people, what people think about things, but it's a dangerous thing to bet your life on. And I, say, and I say that referring to the Word of God because we are betting our lives on this. We, we want to know what, this, what, what was really said. And so we don't want to just trust one guy. We want to trust a group of people that can be trusted and that we're holding each other accountable and those kind of things. So that's, that's important. Then also be careful with translations that are done by a group of, a group of people that all share the, the exact same belief system as far as not that they all believe in inerrancy, not that they all believe in Jesus, but that they all believe in one theological you know, um, system. You have to be careful with that too because, again, choices are made all the time when you're translating, just like when we listen to people. We're making, we're, we're making choices on what did that word mean that he just said because it, had, it can mean two different things or three different things. We have lots of words like that. And so be careful 
in, in choosing your translation. And again, the one that, that we present on the screen and that I, that I read from is, I said, the old NIV. And um, I, I think it's a great one, and so I keep using it. Um, and you can still get it. It's just because it's old doesn't mean you can't get it. You can get new ones even of it. Um, but uh, anyway, I just say that to say they weren't bleaching things in those days, but they were doing stuff like bleaching. And even the best of them couldn't make clothes as white as what Jesus was wearing on this day that he was transfigured. And not only him, but also to add to the amazement and amazing nature of this story, Moses and Elijah were there. Amazing. That, that, tell, that, that reinforces so much of what we believe. Moses and Elijah were still alive. Nobody had seen them for thousands of years, but they're still alive. They're still recognizable. Now, Peter and James and John didn't recognize them. They'd never seen them before. But they were listening. They heard when, and we don't know if they hugged and kissed or how they greeted each other, but they heard Jesus recall those guys, Moses and Elijah. They recognized each other. People say, are we going to recognize each other in heaven? This is a good, good passage to look at. Yes. Even with our resurrection bodies, we're still going to be recognizable. We're still going to recognize each other. We're still going to love each other. We're still going to have fellowship with each other. It's going to be different. We don't know all the details, but this is a great picture of what's to come. But what a, what a, a statement to Peter, James, and John. Remember, that's what this is. That's why Jesus took them up. Jesus was taking advantage of, of some special fellowship. We don't know exactly what their conversation was. But as Jesus is getting ready to go to his death, we can assume that there was some encouragement coming from these two guys. One of them had experienced death, Moses. And his body was taken to heaven early. He's one of the, one of the few people in, in glory right now that has his body. But we, we see in Jude that his body was taken to heaven after he died. Elijah went straight to heaven, didn't die. Swing low, sweet chariot. It did for him and took him. And these guys encouraging Jesus probably for the road that was ahead for him. A very, very difficult road. And weren't you excited this morning to hear that our kids know that? How exciting to hear the things that they said this morning about Jesus, about what he's done. He sent the Holy Spirit. What? That's right. That's what he does. He died for us. He rose again. He heals. He helps. Amazing statements. We need to be amazed. And here, Jesus was amazing these three men who are going to be responsible for carrying this message to the world through grave difficulties. What was going to give them? Obviously, they were going to have the Holy Spirit. What was going to give them the courage to do what they had to do? 
was the fact that they know who Jesus is. They saw him transfigured. Both John and Peter, in their, in Peter in his second letter, and John in his gospel, they both refer to this moment. They say, we have seen his glory. We've seen him with our own eyes. Not just the glory of, of all of his miracles. We saw him on the mountain with Elijah and Moses shining like the sun. We saw this. And that gave them extra power, extra oomph to get through what they had to get through. And it was a lot. And because of the reports that they gave and that others like Mark gave on their behalf, we also get that same picture in our minds. This is really Jesus. This is really the person that we're here worshiping this morning. He did this. He gave them a picture of what was coming for all of us later. When we're going to shine in his presence. In, in, a, in, in such a way that we can't even describe it. There's nothing so white. There's nothing so bright. There's nothing so brilliant in our experience to even be able to describe it. But that's us and him and we're going to be there. Peter, again, as often, didn't know what to say, but he said it anyway. He, he could not turn it off. Thankfully, because we can really, really relate to Peter. Hey, let's build tents. Not a bad idea. I mean, one of the things that's going to happen is there's going to be more Feast of Tabernacles in the kingdom, so... Let's get it started, maybe. Maybe he's thinking that. But whatever, it's, Mark got the word. And remember, Mark got this from Peter. So Peter was telling Mark, and I really didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> you know? And aren't you glad that Peter was honest enough to tell the true story? Now, John and James, would maybe they're the ones that told this part and some of the other parts. But these are real guys. Real guys getting ready for a real job. A huge responsibility. And Jesus gave them some encouragement too with this. And immediately went back to the subject as they're coming down. Because again, it just, just lasted a moment. With, with that great benediction, this is my son. What would that have sounded like? Did you catch the last part? Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him. Back to this, folks. We've got to listen to him. He's given us the means by which to listen to him. And it doesn't involve... It doesn't involve that. It involves reading this and then thinking that through and asking, how can this relate to my life? How can this relate to my experience with what I'm dealing with as I listen to you, Jesus? Reading the Bible is listening to Jesus. Listen to him. I'm glad Peter, James, and John heard that 
and that they did that. And then, of course, Jesus says in, in John 13, 14, 15, and 16, he's, he tells them, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of this stuff. Because they remember, they're not getting it right now. They see, they, it's, it says again, and they're, they're, they're talking, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? He's going to rise again. What is that? I mean, he, they'd seen him already raise up some people from the dead, but they weren't, they weren't following how this was going to work. But they were going to get it. Later, they were going to get it. The Holy Spirit was going to take care of that. He was going to give them the reminder of all the things that he said and then put it, help them put it together. And then they're going to write it down. And we get to listen to him. What an amazing moment in our history. This is our history. This is our family history. Remember, most of the people around that day, in that time, most, most of the people did not believe him. They rejected him. But, John says it like this, to those who received him, those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. All of us who believe in his name, we're children of God. This is our family we're talking about right here. These are our brothers. These are our ancestors that, that saw this and wrote it down and had it written down for us to see so we can also see who got, with whom it is that God is well pleased and we can listen to him. So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's listen to this amazing son of God. Let's listen to this amazing, fully God fully man, man, Savior, Lord, Master. Let's listen to him. Let's do what our brothers and sisters in Turkey and Syria are doing right now. Putting down all of the barriers, putting down all of the the prejudices, putting down all of the persecution, all the stuff, the reasons they would have to hate the people that they're helping. Put all that down and start living life for the glory of God. In our opportunities, in our experiences. Oh, we, we didn't have an earthquake. We just have other opportunities. Oh, we get to help with that one through our prayers, through our giving. Some, like Josh and others, through going. But we've got other stuff going on that we get to be involved in. And we get to listen to him say, Lord, how can I, how can I shine like this? It's, I mean, it's no wonder, with Jesus knowing this was coming, no wonder he used this, these imageries, the, these statements throughout his teaching about shining, about being the light of the world. He, he literally is the light. we get to heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, there's not going to be a sun and a moon because God will be our light. Be in his presence. In the meantime, we reflect that. And so we listen to him so that we can shine in the place that he's put us every day. Agreeing with the things that he agrees with and Loving the things that he loves and hating the things that he hates. And, and following his example in how to confront those things. 
Because he did that. Some of you heard again this week of the, of the, new, uh, the new God, um, the one that Taylor Swift introduced at some award show this week. You know, not the God who judges people and does bad stuff, but the God who loves everybody just how they are. Well, he does love all of us just how we are and tells us that he's going to change us. Tells us that that he has a way for us to live, a way for us to shine. He's He's going to give us an opportunity by the power of his spirit in us to transform us into those people, not to stay whatever we were when we met him, when we received him. None of us can stay there. None of us can be satisfied with that. But he's clear. Let's listen to him. Let's not listen to what others are saying about him. Let's listen to what he says. Don't trust me to tell you. Listen to what he says. Be like the Bereans of more noble character, according to the book of Acts, of more noble character than the the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures every day to see if what the apostle Paul said was true. They weren't just going to take it from this guy, although we find out now they could have because he's an apostle. But they were checking him out to make sure that he was measuring up to the word of God. In their time, at that moment, the Old Testament only. Still the word of God. Still a place to verify everything that an apostle was saying. That's why everything that we have in the New Testament is verified by everything that's given in the Old Testament. It goes together like a glove. It's a wonderful thing. Listen to him. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we have a hard time listening. We're so much like Peter. We're so quick to talk and too slow to listen. Help us to listen. Help us to put in the time that it takes to listen to you through your word, to read it, to grapple with what it says, and to grapple with our lives as we live out what it says. Thank you for putting us in a body, a a, a spiritual body of believers who will help us do it, who will pray for us, who will encourage us, who will challenge us. Thank you that we're not doing it all alone. But there are moments when we're all alone. Give us the strength even in those moments to agree with what you've said and to put away the things that you want us to put away. To put on the things that you want us to put on. And Father, we pray for those here this morning who've just now or just recently said, yes, Jesus, I receive you. I believe in your name. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are perfect. I believe that you did die on the cross for my sins. 
I believe that you did rise again from the dead. I believe that you do send the Holy Spirit to live in everyone who believes in you. I believe you are coming back. I believe there is an eternity and that it will either be with you or it will be in complete separation away from you. Father, for those who are at that point right now just starting to believe that, we pray that you would give them the desire, give them the the discipline to start reading this book, your book, and listening to you. Father, for those who haven't yet put their trust in Jesus, who don't yet believe, we pray that you'd remind them of this story as another good reason to believe in Jesus. That these guys did not make this up. These guys went to their death holding fast to the truth of this story. Help them to see that if this story is true, this along with many others, including the resurrection of Jesus, that they would say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. You are worth, worthy of believing in. Help them to do that today. Help them not to put that off. Help them to begin the opportunity that you've given them to shine in this world for you. Help them to start that right now. And Father, for those of us who've been shining for a long time, help us to listen to you so that we will shine even brighter, make even more of a difference in this world for your glory that will impact your glory for eternity. Help us to use this opportunity for that. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.